0: One of these days after the song like that, I'm just going to stand up and do the benediction. (laughs) This is not that day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So if you're following along with us, this is our last. We've been doing a series in the book of Mark on sort of all the healings that Jesus does. Today is the last in that series before Easter, and we'll be looking at uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. If you have a Bible, you can follow along there, you can follow along in your order of worship, or you can use your phone or anything else you'd like. So I say to you, hear the word of God. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight and Jesus said to him go your way your faith has made you well and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way this is the word of the Lord let's pray father I pray now that you would come um, and open the eyes of the blind I pray that you would open the ears of the death, I pray that uh, where we are spiritually lame, that b- before the end of this day, people would be leaping for joy. I pray that you be in my head and in my thinking and in my heart and in my understanding and in my mouth and in my speaking. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things, amen and amen. So as we've been going through the series, if you weren't here last week, I did something that was pretty like out of character for a Presbyterian pastor at least, is remember I I broke the the three-point barrier, right? Presbyterian, it's three-point sermons. We did a 10-point sermon last week. And so, of course, this week I was thinking, how can I up my game? How can I take it just to another level? And I thought, well, I can't do 10 points again. I don't want to push, push things. And so I thought, we'll open today with 10 questions. Huh? Right? 10 questions. And the first eight questions are going to be basically... Would you rather? You ever played Would You Rather? So basically, we're going to play, and the the questions start out pretty benign, pretty kid-friendly, and by the eighth question, which is all the would you rathers, the eighth question, it's going to, basically, the question would be one of my biggest horrors that I ever have to face. So keep that in mind as I read them. So first question, would you rather, if you only had one toy, have an Etch-a-Sketch or a container of Silly Putty? You don't have to answer out loud. Personally, (laughs) Etch-A-Sketch. All right, kids. Would you rather have a blue tongue or a blue finger? How about this one? Would you rather sing every word you speak or always speak in rhymes? Mm Mm-hmm. See? Not that easy, is it? How about this one, In, for me it would be easy. Would you, rather, would you rather be able to fly or be able to c- become invisible? I need to know on this one. Able to fly? Able to become invisible? Watch out for those people. <laughs> right there. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> like, read The Invisible Man, people. All right. Would you rather live next to a garbage dump or a cemetery? I have a pretty sensitive nose, so I'm going to say cemetery. Um, would you rather be a bull rider or the clown that distracts the bull? <laughs> we went to a place a couple weeks ago, and I, there was a bull there. I tried to get my wife to ride it, and she was like, no. All right, so we're getting toward the end here. Would you rather have a head twice the normal size or half the normal size? Okay, the last one, the one that kept me awake last night, at least the last one of these formal ones, would you rather never wait in line again or never get stuck in traffic again? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't decide, for me. And so what does that have to do with our, with our sermon? Well, the next question, remember I promised you 10 questions. That was eight. The next question is just this. Would you rather be completely deaf or completely blind? That would be a tough one too, maybe. Except, remember last week I pointed out how difficult it is to be, to be deaf. I don't think we, we think about that very much. And so last week we looked at Jesus healing the deaf man, and what's interesting in the whole gospel of Mark, there's is a significant theme that goes through the whole gospel of Mark about spiritual blindness. So last week we talked about spiritual deafness and which would you rather be, deaf or blind? And this week um, we'll talk about blindness. But in the whole Gospel of Mark, there's this theme that goes through about spiritual blindness. And what is the theme that goes through about spiritual blindness? It's just this, is that all the people who should understand who Jesus is don't get it. They just don't get it, right? So the religious leaders... They, Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And, you know, I am the bread of life, you know, unless you feed upon me, you could never live. And they're like, hey, you know you healed that guy on Sunday, right? Like, they totally miss all of the claims he makes because they're so worried about the fact that he's broken a few laws or, or traditions. At least they think he's broken a few traditions. And then, of course, his disciples, they see everything he does, and still, to the very end, they don't get it. They really don't get it until after the resurrection. Why? Because we're told that they're blind. They just don't see. So on one hand, Jesus is right in front of them. He's walking on water. He's healing people. He's doing all these things. And they somehow fail to see it. What's interesting about our text today is that finally, in the gospel of Mark, all these people are blind and they they have eyes, but they don't see Jesus for who he is. And the first person in the gospel of Mark who sees Jesus for who he really is? is a blind guy. It takes a blind guy to actually see and to proclaim who Jesus really is. And so that leads to my last question. Remember, I promised you 10. So the 10th question is this. If you were spiritually blind, would you know it? Think about that for a second. (laughs) That's one of those ones that's like, hmm. If you were spiritually blind, would you know it? And the answer is, probably not. In fact, according to the Bible, the answer is definitely not. And so what does it take for someone to see? So we've looked at Jesus heal all these different things. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus healing of a blind man. And ultimately, what does it take for him to heal us? What does it take for him to heal our sight? What does it take for us to see Jesus? So back to three points. (laughs) We have three things we're going to look at this week. Basically, we're going to see in this passage, we're going to see a cry for help we're gonna see a call to come, and then finally, we're gonna see a way to walk. So a cry for help, a call to come, and a way to walk. Look at the first two uh, verses in our text. It says, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So what's happening here? Today is actually Palm Sunday. And the passage we're looking at is is immediately before Palm Sunday. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and Jericho would have been the last stop before you get to Jerusalem. Jericho is probably the oldest city that's, continu- that's been continuously inhabited for about 9,000 years, and so it, it was basically this, this last stop for pilgrims on the way to Passover, going to Jerusalem, and, you know, it was sort of the place when you get to Jericho, you tell, all right, kids, get out, and this is where you're going to go to the bathrooms. We ain't stopping again for 18 miles, you know, 18 miles is a long way when you're walking, right? And so, <laughs> so it was just this place, and That also, notice it's the setup here. It also says that they came to Jericho and he was leaving Jericho. We don't hear anything about what they did in Jericho because what's important is what happens as they're leaving. There was a man sitting at the gate as they were leaving, a man named Bartimaeus. This is the only person who Jesus heals, at least in the Gospel of Mark and maybe all of the Gospels, that is actually named. We actually know his name. So Bartimaeus is is a blind beggar, which makes sense, and he was sitting outside the gate as pilgrims were going on their last stop. So what does that say? Well, basically what that means is this was going to be probably the biggest money day of the year for Bartimaeus. If you're a blind beggar, what better place to be than at the at the exit gate of the last rest stop before people got to Jerusalem where they're going to bring things and to be, to be religious and to be pious. And so here you have this man, Bartimaeus, who we know probably, by the way, lost his sight at some point. He probably wasn't born blind because at the end, Jesus says, he says, what do you want me to do? He says, restore my sight. And so Bartimaeus, uh, sitting at the gate, here is this guy, and he is, this, this could be the biggest money day of the year for him, as he's waiting for these pilgrims to come by. And as the pilgrims are coming by, he hears something. Remember we talked about, is it worse to be deaf or worse to be blind? Bartimaeus has probably heard stories about this man, Jesus, for about three years now. And it says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Now, why does it say of Nazareth? You see, because Jesus, back in the day, that was, it was the, a just completely common name. There were lots of people named Jesus. And Bartimaeus is sitting out at the gate, you know, saying alms to the poor, whatever he was saying. And he hears someone say that it's not just any Jesus, but Jesus of Nazareth is here. And Bartimaeus kicks, sort of kicks things into high gear then. He completely changes his orientation from, from begging for change to begging for mercy. Notice what he says. when He says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, what's interesting, what, what uh, Bartimaeus does here, remember I said that this blind guy is maybe the first guy in the Gospels to see. This is the only time in any of the Gospels, I think, that Jesus is referred to by by someone in the crowd as Jesus, son of David. And that's important, right? Sometimes people say he's called son of God, someone's called him son of man, but here, this blind beggar hears it's Jesus of Nazareth. And remember, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was the other side of the tracks. So here's a preacher who is coming from the other side of the tracks, who has this reputation for healing people, and who else might he be? And blind Bartimaeus tells us. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David was purely and only a messianic title. That this one here is the one who has come to deliver Israel. This one here is the one who has come to deliver us from our sins. It takes a, a blind man, he shouts that out, Jesus, son of David. And he doesn't say, Jesus, son of David, give me my eyesight back. Or Jesus, son of David, give me some money. He says, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, Messiah who has come to deliver us, have mercy on me. He could have asked for anything, and yet he asks Jesus for mercy. And fortunately, he asks the right person for mercy. Because Jesus, Messiah, son of David, is the one who came to give mercy. Bartimaeus apparently gets that. And did you notice what the crowds did? I, I love the way the crowds are portrayed here. Because the crowds, it says, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, when you're blind and when, when you're desperate, it doesn't matter what the crowd says. He needs to have a chat with Jesus. Because Jesus, somehow he has understood in his head, Jesus is the only place that he can find mercy. So regardless of what the crowd says, he wants to, he, he wants an audience with Jesus, because mercy is what he needs. Mercy is what we all need. Think about when you, if you're religious, if you're a Christian, when you cry out to Jesus, do you tend to cry out to him for mercy or do you tend to cry out to him for stuff, for things, for situations? Mercy is what we need at the end of the day. I can't, every time I think of this kind of thing, I always think about when my girls were little. See, when our girls were little, my, my wife homeschooled until they got to high school. And what that means is I was away at work all day, and then I came home, and then I was the enforcer. And one of our children needed a little more enforcing than the other ones. Her name happened to be Mercy. She knows that. I tell this story. She would come, I would come home, and Judy would say, Mercy. And I'd say, all right, Mercy, let's go back to my office. And she would start crying before anything ever happened. And every now and then, randomly, and I did it randomly on purpose, I'd say, Mercy, what's the definition of justice? And she would say, I get what I deserve. <laughs> but that's right. I said, what's the definition of mercy? And her little, her, her, her little <laughs> mouth would come up, she'd go, And I'd say, that's right, get out of here. And do you think she would run out of the room? She never did. I would say to you, you get mercy. You don't get what you deserve today. And she would always dive forward and hug me. You and I need mercy. And the only person who can give it to you is Jesus. Now here's the good news of the gospel. If you want to stop Jesus in his tracks, call for mercy. If you feel that you need mercy, Jesus never passes by the person who asks for mercy. You might pass by, you ask for stuff, and mercy, no. Look what happens next. So he, Bartimaeus is crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it says in verse 49, it says Jesus, and Jesus stopped. And the word in Greek there is it's something like Jesus basically stopped dead in his tracks. So you have crowds of people, probably lots of noise, lots of people yapping, and Jesus hears someone crying Son of David, have mercy on me. And it stops him in his tracks, and Jesus says to to the crowds, he says, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up. He is calling you. Now I love the crowd here, because remember the crowd had gone immediately from, you know, shut up, keep your mouth shut, you know, keep your app shut, to suddenly Jesus says, Call him. And they're like, Hey, he wants to see you now. Right? Jesus is the one in charge, not the, the crowd. And even though the crowd might try and keep Bartimaeus from Jesus, they can't keep Jesus from Bartimaeus. And so Jesus actually tells them, all of you who are trying to keep Bartimaeus away from me, why don't you go get him? Call him. And it says they go to Bartimaeus and say, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And I want you to notice how important what Bartimaeus does. It says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. That's an easy part to miss, except for the fact that for a blind beggar, maybe, maybe and probably the only important possession that he owned was his cloak. That's what, how he would uh, keep the sun off of him in the summer. That's how he would keep the, the rain off of him and bad weather. That's what would keep him warm at night. That's probably what he would have across him, and he would have it sort of draped so people could throw their alms in. And when Jesus calls Bartimaeus to come to him, Bartimaeus says, I'm all in. In, in other words, whatever this guy has to give me, is worth more than the only thing I have that whatever he can do for me is more precious than the most precious possession I have and it says he threw off his cloak and he sprang up and it was probably I imagine it was a little bit funny because he he, he sprang up but he's blind but it says he came to Jesus did he feel his way to Jesus or did people lead him to Jesus it sort of doesn't matter The fact is, is that he was all in. And what we see in Bartimaeus is actually a a pattern of what we see in our own lives. Right? So the first thing, what, what happens with us when we come to know Jesus? The first thing is the spirit sort of works in our heart. The only way that a blind man could see that Jesus is actually the Christ, that Jesus is actually the one who could show him mercy, is if somehow the spirit had been working in his heart beforehand. And the spirit working in his heart caused him to cry out, have mercy on me. In his cry to Jesus, have mercy, Jesus called back to him, then come to me. And he gets up and comes. That's how the gospel works. Jesus opens our eyes. We cry out because we see that we need him. And he says, come to me, and we come. And so the question is, where are you in that? Do you feel God, like, do you feel like, man, I really need mercy? I really need help here, but I don't know what to do. Call out for mercy. Call out for mercy. Do you hear Jesus calling you, come to me, go to him, trust in him, put your faith in him. That's what Bartimaeus does. And imagine when he got face to face with Jesus, Jesus just doesn't give him eyes to see, but he also gives him a way to walk. Notice what he does, last part here. It says in verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I, I wish I, we could see Jesus' face on this, because I, I, I always wonder if he has a smile on his face what do you want me to do? (laughs) like, Dude, I'm blind. What do you think? But Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And it's interesting to contrast it with what came right before this. So what came right before this passage is Jesus has just told the disciples, I'm getting ready to go, I'm getting ready to suffer, be crucified, and to die, and on the third day, rise again. And then in verse 35 of the same chapter, He says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. (laughs) And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant us to sit, one on your right hand and one at your left, in glory. (laughs) And Jesus, I think he was probably smiling again, he said, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said, We are able. And Jesus said, the cup that I drink, and you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those who it has been prepared. So here you have, the, remember what I said that the, the religious people and the disciples are blind. Jesus has just told the disciples literally exactly what is going to happen when they enter Jerusalem. That he was going to be spit upon and beaten and mocked and crucified. And their first thought is, All right, when it's all over, like one of us have the right seat and one of us have the shotgun, and they don't get it because they are blind. Bartimaeus, on the other hand, when Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? He doesn't ask for glory, he just said, Would you restore my sight? Would you make me just whole again? In other words, I don't want anything above and beyond. I just want to be whole. I just want to be normal again. Would you do that for me? In Matthew's version, it says that Jesus touched his eyes, and he heals him, and he says, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Notice the word way pops up a lot in this passage. At the beginning of this passage, Bartimaeus was sitting beside the way, in other words, he, he was beside the, the, the road. Jesus heals him and says, go your way. Now, this is an important moment in Bartimaeus' life because I can imagine him, he had been able to see before. And so he'd been able to see before. And so I would imagine if he was like me, sitting beside the road, it'd get pretty boring sometimes, that I would sort of probably imagine it and run through my head if I could ever see again all the things I would like to see all the things that, you know, that I would like to see again. I'd like to see the, a rainbow again, or I'd like to see my mother again, or I'd like, I'd like to see my old hometown, all these things. And so when Jesus says, you're made well, go your own way, I would be tempted to just take off, to go, to go see whatever it is I've been dreaming about seeing my whole life. And did you notice what Bartimaeus did? Bartimaeus, who could have done anything... It says immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. In other words, the passage starts with Bartimaeus sitting beside the way. He's just passive, wondering. And then Jesus gives him the opportunity, go your own way. And Bartimaeus says, I am going your way. He followed Jesus on the way. You see, the natural consequence of Jesus opening our eyes is wanting to follow him. Where else is Bartimaeus going to go? He's given away his cloak. He's thrown it all in for Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, in less than a week, Bartimaeus would see with his very own eyes what it would take for Messiah to deliver him from his sins. Bartimaeus, he he followed Jesus to Jerusalem. I imagine he was there when he saw the crucifixion. He saw Jesus smitten, stricken, and afflicted for his sake. And I wonder in in that moment if he'd wished he hadn't been made cited again. But needless to say, it changed his heart. He couldn't help but follow Jesus. You know, let me finish with this. Have you guys seen, you know, one of the biggest movies out on Netflix now is um, Bird Box. Have you seen Bird Box? Bird Box to me, Sandra Bullock, it was really disappointing to me. And the reason Bird Box was so disappointing to me It's because it had all this potential, and then it dropped the ball. There was no gospel at all in Bird Box. It was just a dead-end movie. What do I mean by that? If you haven't seen Bird Box, basically Bird Box, something happens, and there are these creatures that come along that we never see, but if you happen to see them, all of your worst sins and all of your worst fears are revealed, and it's so bad that people just commit suicide. And so people are committing suicide by the the millions because these creatures are just revealing to them their own fears and their own sins and their own guilt. And so what's the remedy if you're tormented by your sin and your guilt? Just put on a blindfold. As long as you can't see it, you're going to be okay. But you know what? It's pretty hard to walk around with a blindfold. And that's the whole movie of Sandra Bullock trying to get from point A to point B with a blindfold on. And the really lucky people were just blind to begin with. So they just get to bump around, but there's no rem—that's it. Spoiler alert: that's the end. As long as you got a blindfold on, you're good to go. The reason there's no gospel in that is because I was waiting for what's the remedy to this? What's the remedy to people seeing their greatest fears and their greatest sins and their greatest guilt? It's someone else taking it away. That's what the gospel does for us. What the gospel does for us is it basically takes the blindfold off and in that same moment you see all of your fears and your sins and your guilt and it should be to you and to me overwhelming. But in that same eyesight you see Jesus taking it all. Every bit of it. So all of the things that might make you ashamed, all of the things that might make you guilty, all the people, things that would make you suicidal if other people knew about them, give them to Jesus. Oh, Take the blindfold off and actually see your sin, but also see Jesus. Would you do that? You see, only Jesus can make that start to happen, but if you feel it happen, I beg you, come unto him. Think about that. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I pray as we considered um, all these healing miracles in Mark, and as the, the last one in Mark is about this healing of a blind man, I pray for those here today who are blind, that you would give them eyes to see. I pray that you would enable them to see all the, 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 the misery of their sin and all the wretchedness of it, but I pray that you also would show them all the, the beauties and glories of the cross, that you have taken our sin and you have given us your righteousness. In Christ's name we pray all of these things, Amen. Amen.